this this week, and we'll see. I mean, this last time I gave the share, it was a one-time class. It was like one session, you know, very, very beautiful, really nice, uplifting, and great. And this time I sat down to just review the notes, and it took on a life of its own, which I suppose is inherent. It was interesting. It was like what was happening to me was like a reflection of what I was learning about, you know, like, no, you got to just... Sometimes things have this tendency to want to take on a life of their own. You have to say, no, we got to focus in order to be productive. You know, like I told Rabbi Goldberg, I said, you know, so it's great. So I spent all those hours yesterday. I have a beautiful now new shear on al Hamithya, but how does that help us this morning? <laughs> Not exactly. On the other hand, I didn't want to let it go. Like, how often, you know? I, I can't say when the last time was that I had some kind of insight exactly. for al Hamithya. So I didn't want to let it go. On the other hand, if you want to be productive, really, you want things to be good, then you got to focus, not go out all over the place. So this this was literally a share that <laughs> took on a life of its own and went from, I mean, I'm thinking like, well, this could take us straight, certainly through Shavuos until the end of the year, I don't know, but it's uh, <clears throat> awesome things, probably not until the end of the year. All right, we're starting a new bracha, and... Uh, there's an interesting, interesting follow on it. It really stands in some, in a contrast to the previous brachos, especially the last two. So the last two brachos that we said, that we learned about, were matira surim and zokeh kifufim. That it's Hashem. It's the divine aspect of bechira. It's our choosing of Hashem, the shem Hashem. That is what lifts us up and that what releases us from that which holds us back and ties us down. This bracha, though, is Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. So this is the flow of Hashem's bracha and chesed into the world. Roka, who firms or establishes firmly Haaretz, the land, Al Hamayim, atop of the waters. So... This is what uh, I think Aviva Mahler calls a whopping topic change at first glance, <laughs> right? You say, how did you, it's like talking to someone with ADD. <laughs> Sorry, I think you just changed the subject. How did we get there? I didn't know, right? Um, it, it seems startling. It seems more startling because everything else on the most, most, most basic level, you can see how this is something you're grateful about as a gift for you, for your avodas Hashem. Being able to tell, even if we just look at the simplest explanations, right? Simplest, not as in simplistic. The most fundamental. Being able to tell day from night. Like we could concoct an understanding of how that's helpful to us, that we could see the difference, that we could see, that we could have clothing, not be cold, right? God established the firm ground over the water. like. I don't know, it does seem like a little bit of a leap, and maybe at first glance, you'll see, as soon as you touch it, as soon as you touch it, it's exactly where it needs to be. But until you do, I don't know, I would say that probably it's fair to say that many people, when they say brachos day after day and year after year, and maybe decade after decade, of all the brachos, that one might have the least kavana. Now, if you live in California, it could have the most kavana. <laughs> Because Rokaha Aretz al that Hashem firmly establishes the ground over the waters is not really anything to sneeze at. 
I mean, the, you know, there was once an earthquake. Um, there was an, it was an aftershock to the 94 quake that came in the spring. So in 1994, there was the Northridge quake. It was at the, um, I think in the fall, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's quite late in the year. But in the spring, when we were cleaning for Pesach, there was like a, something in like the, maybe around five. It was like a fairly large after, maybe even five and a half. It was a pretty large aftershock from the Northridge quake. Now, what was different from my experience was that I was on the front lawn hosing down refrigerator shelves for Pesach. That's why I know it was the spring. So I was outdoors. I had never been outdoors in an earthquake before. Earthquakes, you know, there's a special kind of terror that's generated by an earthquake. It's different. It's, it's, there's the adrenaline, there's the adrenaline issue, which is the same as with any kind of sudden scary thing. Um, but there's something else. There's something very profound that gets shaken when the ground is shaking. And where I, re I, f I felt it in other, many other earthquakes, but I really felt it standing outside. And the ground under me was moving. And I was like, why is that weirder than, like, why is that more disturbing? It's because when you're in the house, it's the house that seems to be moving. And when I was outdoors, I could actually feel the ground moving under me. And that was terrifying. It wasn't even such an enormous earthquake. But the feeling of the ground itself moving was scary. So maybe, yeah, like we could see why we would be grateful for it. But there is still something missing in terms of how is that what I'm, how I'm getting closer to God? It's amazing, but how am I getting closer to God through it? Okay, so we'll start, of course, with what is the source? So the Gemara tells us in Brachos, when a person rests their feet on the ground, they say, Baruch Rokah Haaretz Al Hamayim. <clears throat> Remember, each of these like morning Brachos is like tied to you know getting dressed or waking up or stretching your limbs. This one is tied to you put your feet on the ground. I hope I remember to come back around to that statement at the end because it's worth revisiting. Put your feet on the ground and say, Thank God. The ground is there, firm above the waters. So, yeah, like, stable ground is a big deal. The source, because remember, these sukkim, the, these brachos are paraphrased almost, for the, almost entirely, not entirely, from sukkim. So this is a pasuk, <coughs> which you've definitely come across. It's a pasuk in Tehillim Kuflam Edvav 136. Kuflam Edvav is known as Halel Hagadol. So if you have a sitter with Shabbos davening, it'll be there in Pesukei de Zimra, Halal It's the one that has all the Kile Olam Chastos, 26 Kile Olam Chastos. We also say it at the Seder on Pesach. In the Halal, you say this big, long Kile Olam Chasto parak, which is not even part of the Halal that you say, let's say, on Rosh Chodesh normally, or even on Pesach normally, right? Only at the Seder. So that's, uh, and, and there's a Pasuk in there, L'Rokah Ha'aretz Al Hamayim, to Hashem, who establishes firmly the land atop of the waters, for his kindness to the world is eternal. That's the source of this. And then at different phases, we'll, we'll go to that parak and Tehillim and understand how the because always the context of the parak will help us. Okay. So what is this bracha about? So we didn't need to be told firm ground. Firm ground is good ground, right? 
there's a Gemara in Tamid. Even experienced sailors don't feel fully secure until they make landfall. I mean, no matter how you do sailing, you get, maybe sailing is the wrong word, being a sailor, okay? You get, there's a certain security when you get to ground, to terra firma, to solid ground, a sense of security. Rav Schwab says, the crust of the earth covers a liquid interior, right? So this is obviously the principle behind earthquakes is that it's fluid underneath. Even the center of the earth, right, even though it's rock and metal, it's still fluid. And there are the deep waters, okay, so that's the whole principle of plate tectonics is that all the land masses are actually floating above a fluid core. Rokaha Aretz al God firmly establishes the ground over water, over fluid. Avudarham takes it another step. He says, it's not only taught, and, and you'll come to understand, like, where, where'd this come from? But as we go on, it'll, you'll look back, you'll say, oh, yeah, I could see where that came from. Avudarham says, this includes other things. This includes not only the, the earth on the water, but the process of earth over the water, which includes the law of gravity, the principle that things are drawn downward. Okay? Now, we still have to talk about it because Rokaha Aretz al Hamayim is that Hashem is holding the earth above the fluid. If you, if you put rock into water, it will go down, it doesn't float at the top. Okay? And this is true. This is true also on an atmospheric level, like that we have air and we have, and it doesn't just all float away. We would be in serious trouble if our atmosphere drifted away from the planet, right? It's held down by gravity. It also includes the storage of water as solid on land. So you have an enormous amount of the Earth's water, which is actually sequestered as icebergs, glaciers, ice and snow in the polar regions. Okay, that's a lot of... Now, it's interesting because when Abu Darham said that, I don't know that people were sitting around worrying about global warming and saying, well, if any, even a small percentage of that ice were to get back into the oceans, the ocean will start to encroach on the land. I mean, that now, that's something people talk about, but that's in the last 50 years max that anyone has even considered that. But apparently, no, the, those who thought about Torah had thought about this. Okay? So just the fact that there's a lot of water that's held, right, and sort of turned into solid so that it isn't incorporated into the waters is also a chesed. I'm enjoying the smell of this coffee, even though I didn't start drinking because I'm talking. <laughs> the smell of it is doing me good. Okay, so what's with the word roka? We'll try and touch on all the words. I'll tell you now in advance, the word mayim, I'm not going to go near except, except to make one statement at some point because mayim is, is a whole topic on its own, obviously. But let's start with roka, which is the least familiar. So roka, words where you will have heard it are, I put them on the board, rakia, rakia, known in art scroll land as the firmament. Uh, we'd call that sort of the upper atmosphere. So we've got clouds up there, okay? So you've got water system that's above. Um, so the atmosphere is the rakia, the sky. And you have karka, 
which as you can see is the word rakia with an extra kuf in front of it, which is kind of interesting. Karka is the ground. So already, you know, there's this kind of, hmm, something going on here, and how would they interact with each other? Sorry, I wish it were more interesting. <laughs> now that you got your glasses on. Oh, okay, yeah. Rakia, Karka, we're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You know, when your effort really pays off. Like. <laughs> okay, so what is this idea of rakia then? What, what does it mean? Rokea, what, what is that? I didn't even spell it right. Oh, I did. Okay, roka. Roka hearts. So, what is this concept of rakia? So, the Ibn Ezra says, oh, you know what? Before we translate, let me read you. It's difficult to learn this without going back to the beginning. All right, Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim, Javanamal says, Hashem, Roka, he established firmly. Actually, we're going to learn is that Roka is more to do with spreading out. Haaretz, the land over the waters. There's really no way to go forward without just reading the Psukim where that happened. Okay, so it's amazing how handy a Chomish Brashis comes. Like, I don't know how people walk around without having a Brashis in their pocket because. <laughs> I don't know how you can get through a day without it. So, in the beginning, Bereshis, Hashem created the heavens and the earth. <clears throat> the land was, was deep, dark, and confused. And there was darkness on the face of the deep. And the Ruach Elohim was breezing over the face of the waters. Vayomer Elohim Yehi'or, and God said there shall be light, Vayehi'or, and there was light. Vayar Elohim Esa'or Kitov, and God saw the light that it was good, Vayavdel Elohim Ben Ha'or Ve'nachoshech, and God divided between the light and between the darkness. Vayikor Elohim La'or Yom, and God called the light day, Ve'lachoshech Karalayla, and the night, and the dark he called night, Vayehi'erev, Vayehi'voker, it was evening, it was morning, Yom Echad, one day. You notice, by the way, this is just an aside, but it's so close to Shavuos. I hope next week we'll actually tie what we're learning to Shavuos, but it's so close to Shavuos. You know, there's a strange thing about counting the Omer, which is you start by saying the first day, Hayom Yom Echad La Omer, or Ba Omer, right? You should really say Hayom Yom Rishon La Omer, the first day of the Omer, not the one day of the Omer. But we're counting up to Matan Torah. We're counting up to something like, spectacular. We were told you're going to leave Egypt and 50 days later I'm going to draw you close to me. And that was hard to focus on until we left Egypt and then all of a sudden we were out of Egypt. It's just saying, oh my gosh, is it 50? Okay. And we start counting. Well, there's another counting like that and it's right here. Okay. So on the sixth day of creation, Hashem says Yom Hashishi. This is it. The sixth day. The, the day number six. Why? Because on the 6th of Sivan, there was a very special day 6, which was the day of Matan Torah. That's the 6th day that all of creation is building up to. And Hashem counts. It was evening, it was morning, Yom Echad, day 1, one day. And that's how we count our Omer. We count it the same that's way. Where it comes from. I don't understand the Echad and the Rishon. Rishon means first. So, why don't so let's say I were counting up, which is a whole different discussion, why in the Omer we count up versus counting down. Right. Okay. But it could be we'll touch on that next week for the sake of Shavuos. But um, 
you should, if you want to say, I'm not, not looking in the Torah here for a second, but even looking in the Torah, Yom Echad means one day. It was evening and it was morning, one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand the question. But, but we understand that the normal way is, yeah. okay, so why Hashem said Yom Echad, that I, I don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. I'm like sneaking suspicions. I don't know. Okay, but, but that same awkward way of saying it is how we count the Omer. Oh, so you're not answering why. You're I'm just, not answering oh, why. Okay. I'm saying, but why, uh, what I'm answering is why do we count the Omer that way? Why, why do we count the Omer? We're mirroring God. Oh, right. Okay. We're but, counting up to Matan Torah. In both cases, it's counting up to Matan Torah. Right. But it's not. Okay. Got it. So we don't say Rishon because like the beginning is always like the elaborate or the most, you know, like the grand opening is the first day it's opened versus here we're counting up to Shabbat and that's there's definitely something to that that's with the counting up question okay yeah that's an interesting point is it counting up because Rishon would mean it's the head of it and really maybe you're saying that the main thing is at the end not at the beginning right. it could be it could be that's an answer me, that's it it's a very interesting idea to me it seems like we just stalled on day one I'm we're really so going sorry. it was introduction to day two but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say anyway the day it's the name of the day is one yeah no, I think, you know, look, we say Hashem Echad, Hashem Echad. I mean, the, the word Echad is pretty fraught with potential and meaning and power. So, you know, there's definitely a reason why it's Yom Echad. It's just interesting for us when we're counting our Omer to think, like, God is counting up, too. He's also excited for Shavuos. That's a kind of thrilling thought. You know, like, when you're in love with someone, it's nice to know they love you back. There's always that sort of like awkward like, does he like me? <laughs> yeah. So like, he loves us. He loves us. It's right here. So when we're counting our Omer, it's like, it's easier to to give into the love when you know you're loved. I have my own explanation, but I I always say like, it's hard to start saying Sfira when you know there's 49 days because mm-hmm. you get all nervous that you're gonna mess up. So you start with one, like it's not complicated. It's mm-hmm. not the first of many. It's just start off saying day one, and then it starts getting complicated. You have to figure out the weeks and the days and whatever. But in the beginning, like they make it oh, easy to get you into start? it. That's my. That's a great concept. <laughs> I like it. Okay, that was just an introduction. Really, I wasn't going to read the first day, but then it's not so long, and I thought, well, by Yomer Elokim, famous last words. It's not so long, so by Yomer Elokim. And the Lord said, Yehi rakia besoch hamayim. There should be a firmament, a sky, besoch hamayim, in the middle of the waters. Vayehi mavdil, and it shall divide, bein mayim lamoyim, between waters and waters. Vayas elokim es harakia, and God formed, made the rakia, vayavdel, Bain Hamaim Asher Mitachas Larakia. And I just realized I have a grammatical question. Can't answer too quickly. God used the Rakia to divide between the waters Asher Mitachas Larakia that are underneath this Rakia, this sky, Uvein Hamaim Asher Me'ala Rakia, and between the waters that were above the sky, Vahichain. And it was so. And God called this thing called Rakia Shamayim, which is why you get these very difficult 
confusions, especially in children, but even in adults, right? Like heaven's over there, like, you know, like is it sky? Is it, how do we use the word shamayim? We use it kind of loosely. This is like for the sky, and we use it for like the world to come. And we, it's sort of like a little bit generic. I, I don't think the Torah uses it quite so broadly. God called the rakia, the sky, shamayim. Vayhi erev, it was evening, vayhi voker, and it was morning, yom sheni. Vayomer elokim, and God said, yikavu hamayim, the waters shall gather, mitachas hashamayim, that are underneath the heavens, underneath the, the sky, the, firm, the atmosphere, el makom echad, into a unified place. Vesei hayabasha, and the earth will be seen. Vayichain, and it was so. Vayikra elokim layabasha, Eretz. And God called this dry land Eretz, the land, like Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. These are different words that are different ways of referring to different qualities of land. So yabasha is that it's yavesh, it's dry, okay? Because now the water came off of it. Ulemikve hamayim, and to the gathering of waters, karayamim, he called that yamim, seas. Vayar elokim kitov, and God saw that this was good. And God said, let the earth sprout forth grasses and fields and tree-bearing plants, and it goes on. And God saw that that was good, and it was evening and morning the third day. There's a lot of things you catch here. Let me first look at the Rashis, okay? I'm not going to read every Rashi, but a couple of the Rashis, because that's like our foundation. And then we start to tease apart from the questions, we find the answers, of course. Or, or not, but it's a good way to find answers, start with questions. Okay. God said, Yehi rakia hamayim. There shall be a rakia in the midst of the water. Yishazek ha-rakia. What does it mean there shall be a rakia if rakia has to do with firming or making it more solid? Yishazek ha-rakia. It should be strengthened. Meaning something should firm up, should become strong. That which is not strong should be strong. harishon. Because really, the Torah already said that Hashem had, there was a Shemaim. Bereshus Barlokim, Esa Shemaim, Arts. There was a Shemaim already. It had been created on the first day. Adain, Lachim Hayu. They were, they were wet. <laughs> when, meaning they, they had not set. You know, you have your, your glue and it's still wet. So it's still moldable, it's still changeable. It had not set to be firm. Vikarshu, and they congealed clotted, Basheni, on the second day. Miga'aras HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A lot of trouble with the word Ge'ara. As far as I can tell, Ge'ara can mean one of two things, or it's kind of both. It's, it means to inhibit, to, rebu to restrain, and it also means to rebuke. So, there, it, it, meaning to to hold somebody back by rebuking. That's what caused them to congeal or to gel. When he said, Be'amro, when God, when the Holy One, blessed be he, said, Yehi rakia, it should be rakia as in firmed. It should firm up. So the heavens firmed up. Vizel shekasu, okay. So bring, yeah. I'm so sorry. Back to what we learned months ago. Yeah. Does this go back to like when we talk about the? There's like different levels, and it makes it more like part of the levels than 
So we're not going to touch on that so much okay. today. Sorry. I'll tell you the Ramban. I have the Ramban here somewhere. The Ramban says, The Ramban says, don't even think of asking me to explain to you the process of the rakia being created. Wow. Don't even think about it. He says, there's no hope. Don't even hope for it. Because it's forbidden even for those who know to explain it, and certainly not for us to. Some things we just have to like say, okay, that's not what the Torah was telling me. It's not important for us to It's really not. But there are aspects of it that are, in which case we can find them out. Okay. Besochamayim. There should be rakia, a firming up, a gelling within the waters. Be'emtsahamayim. In the middle, between the waters. Sheyesh hefres. There is now a division, a separation. Be'emayim ha'oyonim. Between the upper waters. La rakia, and the sky, kamo bein harakia lamayim shal haaretz. Just like there is a distinction and a separation in the water below, and the atmosphere above it. So there's an atmosphere in the middle, and there's water above the atmosphere and water below the atmosphere. Halamadata shehem tuluim b'maamaro shal melech. He says you have to put these pieces together. The Shamayim firmed up when God said, Yehi Rakia, be firm. So that was creation at the word of God, which all of creation is. And it's going to divide the waters. But you know what? Air, <laughs> air is not the most effective way to divide liquid water from liquid water. But it does. In other words, the waters above are held up. They are suspended by the word of God. There is a constant word of God. We, this topic is not, we're just beginning to open up by reading the Rashis. Okay? Like, there will be a lot of Are you talking about like cloud? Cloud, yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, we're not okay. talking about anything esoteric here. This is physical. Okay. No, no, we're down here, okay. more or less. All right. Okay, like below the moon, let's say. Okay. okay. Okay, so they are suspended by the word of God. Now you start to, you, you already start to go back and say, oh, that's interesting, because we already realize that, like, it's kind of mysterious that the ground itself, when we said, the ground itself is suspended over water, that also isn't really, like, fully, in a, I mean, it's the laws of nature only in that it's what we're accustomed to seeing. But in most contexts, you put, you put the solid into the liquid and the solid will sink down, right? So... That's also the word of God is also holding up, okay? But it's, this is really just beginning to, like, realize there is a door, let alone open it and walk through it. So we're just starting to find the issues here with the Rashi. I'm going to skip ahead to another Rashi that's in, in the middle of Me'ala Rakia. It doesn't say, the Torah says Me'al La Rakia above the Rakia, not Al Harakia, which could be read as upon the rakia, meaning the waters are not actually resting upon the atmosphere. They are above the atmosphere because they are tluyim ba'avir. They're quite literally hanging in the air. 
they're suspended in the air. So it's that they're above the air, not that they are resting on the air. Umipneima lo ne'emar ki tov biyom sheni. You may have realized when the Torah suddenly said, God called this rakia shamayim, it was evening, it was morning the second day. It didn't say, and God saw that it was good, like it did the first day. It didn't say that. So how come it didn't say kitov, that it was good on the second day? Because this creation wasn't finished till the third day. It's also an interesting thing, right? This, I, don't, I don't think there's another case like this that's brought in creation, right? I mean, the creation itself is an unfolding process, but where it's very clear that this issue of rakia is divided across two creative days. So it doesn't say kitov. It was begun on day two and not finished till day three. Something that is incomplete is not in its fullness. It doesn't have its full goodness. Okay, good, Ramban has a way of explaining good. Good is when something is fulfilling the potential Hashem put into it. Okay, so it's fine. Like, we're in process, right? <laughs> like, the earth was in process. That's not called Tov yet. And on day three, the work of the waters was finished, and then a new creative generation was begun. On day three, it says twice that it was Kitov, that it was good. Because you had here, when the land was finally seen, and it was so, God called the dry land Eretz, and the collection of waters he called Yamim, Vayar Elohim Kitov, and God saw that it was good. And then it goes on to describe the plants sprouting forth, uh, not sprouting forth, but being created, Vayar Elohim Kitov, and God saw that was good, Yom Shlishi, and that's the third day. So the third day gets two kitovs, and the second day has none. Shepamim, two times, echad ligmar melechas yom hasheni, ve'echad ligmar melechas hayom. One for the completion of the second day's work, and one for its own day. Vayikra elokim larakia shamayim. And God called the rakia, this firmament, shamayim. We hear this word all the time. We don't think about what does it mean. So Rashi gives three approaches to the word shamayim. It's sa-mayim, lift up water. Sa, like uh, sin aleph, to lift up. Sa-mayim, like se'u yedechem kodesh, elevate your hands to holiness. Or more like se'u sh'arim roshechem, which we're not going to get to for at least another week. Lift up, the gates lift up their heads. Elevate mayim, sa-mayim, right? This, that's what, that's the function. God's telling the heavens, this is your function. Your name is, an, the name is the expression of, of what it is. Samayim, that which lifts up water, elevates water. Or a conjunction of shamayim. Shamayim, shamayim, there is water. And there also means over there, as opposed to over here. So it's also a reference to, it's not just that there's water up there, but it's the division, the fact that the water is not over here. Eish umayim. Fire and water, shamayim, 
as actually a contraction because when you when you add a word with an aleph together with another word, you can sometimes drop the aleph. Nachnu. There's a few places in Torah where instead of saying anachnu, the Torah says nachnu. Eshumayim, fire and water. She'er von he combined, he blended them with one another, ve'asamehem shamayim, in order to make this thing we call heaven or firmament or sky. Yikavu hamayim, the waters should gather. Shtuchim hayu, they were spread out evenly. They were laying, laying alpnei kol ha'aretz. The waters were laying over the face of all the land. Vehikavam be'ukianos, and God gathered them together in the ocean. Huhayam, so ukianos sometimes is used generically as ocean. You hear ukainos, people also say. Ukianos uh, means the great sea. It's, it's a name, technically, for the Atlantic, but it's not just the Atlantic. Ukianos huhayam hagadol shabachol hayamim. Okay. So, meaning the biggest ocean, which would really be the Pacific. But over here, he doesn't mean that. What he means is, it's, Ukianos means the contiguous ocean, right? So if you look at a map, you know, over here it's called the Indian Ocean, over there it's called the North Sea, or the China Sea, or the Bering Straits, or the Pacific, or the Atlantic, or the, you know, but these are really all one big, the South Seas, these are all one connected ocean. That's what it's referring to, that's Ukianos, the greater seas. Okay, that's our exploration of Rashi, which we kind of need because everyone always refers to Rashi, so then we would have a lot of trouble understanding anything else we read. So I was going to reference back. Okay, so coming back to understanding this idea of Rakia. Rakia, Ibn Ezra. Perusho, <clears throat> this means something which is spread out. Okay, so Roka can mean embroidered. So in other words, something which is spread out like a material, pulled like a tent, right? So you spread out the material of the tent or the canopy or the awning, and then you can sit under it. This is the rakia suspended in the air. There's a parak in Tehillim, which describes Hashem, you spread out, you, you unroll the shamayim like a curtain. Okay, or like a sheet, we might say, right? Because curtains we think of as like in the vertical plane. Okay, so let's say like a sheet, like a tablecloth. You unroll the heavens like a tablecloth. God has established the earth upon the seas. Or Chaim also says, he pulled it taut. He made it out like a, like a curtain. It's rolling a layer out to spread. So roka is somehow a rolling, un, or unrolling, <laughs> what I'd say, right, rolling out process. Rav Hirsch addresses it a little bit differently, although probably based on the, those ideas, that Leroka Ha'aretz Alamayim, this is in his parish on Tehillim, it means to flatten out, to tread down, to press it down all over. He presses it down all over, and it has the effect of causing it to spread out like a fabric. But he says the main thing of it is the pushing it down. You hear the difference? One is the cause, one's the effect. Like God is pushing down this the air, the atmosphere, and that causes it to spread out. So if you have Play-Doh, right, and you're pushing down and pushing down and pushing down, it will also tend to extend and spread in the area it covers. 
But he says that's, that's the secondary effect. The real issue of the rakia is the process of, not of the extending of it, but of the pressing of it. What is it, like the actual gravity of it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, you can see how Abu Dharham said it's referring to gravity and the natural forces like that. Okay. I don't know if it's exactly referring to gravity there. It could be. Abu Dharham seems to take it that way. He's ex that it's I mean, a pushing it's down. That it's gravity. But in other words, that it's God pushing it down. God is holding down. Now that reminds you of something, because we talked about that in terms of our soul and our bodies, right? God is holding our soul down into our body, and God is holding down here. He's holding down this atmosphere onto the planet. I'm sorry. Just a little bit. Maybe I just misunderstood. I thought that the atmosphere was suspended, and it was not moving. The water's above. Right, it is. So this, his word is what is pressing it down. Oh, his word is what's pressing it down. His word is what's pressing okay. it down. Okay. One thing, and, and therefore, Rav Hirsch says, therefore, that's how we get to the word karka as earth. It's, one, it's like the ground, because it's that which is pressed down upon. And you press it down with your feet, so kind of the constant like pushing down of it is the aspect of ground as karka. There's a lot of ways to refer to ground. One of them is karka. Karka is also a result of the same process then of roka as rakia. So the rakia is pressed down to hold it onto the planet, so to speak, and the ground is pressed down. And that, if you think about it, if you think about the idea of the earth floating above the fluid, that also has to do with the being pressed down and spread out and extended so that it will float, right? Like a boat will float, but it has to do with the shape. So that the earth is also created in such a shape as to be able to stay over and not sink down under. Okay. So now, yeah. So there's actually two two separations. One is the earth, and the other one is the atmospheric. Exactly. Quote unquote pressure. Exactly. It's a very interesting thing. When you say rokaha aretz al hamayim, then somehow we're referring, in this bracha, it seems like we're referring more to the second part that was in the third day than we are to the beginning of the process, which was in the second day. Right? Because the beginning of the process is that Hashem puts the atmosphere and that separates between the upper waters and the lower waters. And then there's like this auxiliary <laughs> creation with that which is that those lower waters need to collect together in order to allow the earth, the dry land, to show through. It's almost like he dropped off the fabric, and then the next day he, like, you know? I don't know. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Like, the next day he, like, worked with it's it. It's definitely the, the splitting up over two days is an interesting, interesting thing. Very interesting. Let's say this is sort of, well, let's foreshadow a little bit. One of the reasons the Mephorshim say that it, it, the Torah doesn't say that God saw that it was good on the second day is because the creation of the second day was a creation of separation. Machlokas, essentially. Division. Creation of day two is a creation of dividing. There should be a separation between these two waters that are all really water, and they should be unified, and now we're going to separate them. 
into sections, departments. First day, God created light. God created dark. Afterwards, we have Vayavdil. There is a distinction. Havdalah's distinction, being able oh. to tell the difference. Oh. They were blended together, so we're going to pull them. But with the water, it's all the same water. Uh -huh. And now it's being divided against itself, so to speak. Now, the truth is it's going to work in cooperation, because we have a rain cycle, right? The water evaporates, and it goes from the lower waters, and it comes to the upper waters, and then it runs back off, and then it collects back into the sea. So they're not completely divided from each other, but the idea that a creation that comes through division we don't look at that and say kitov in the world from where we stand. Eventually, like the next day, we can look back and say that was good. That was for the best. I see that that was really good. But in the moment, the Torah doesn't say kitov about it. When you get to the third day, it's no longer, it's no longer about the separating, right? It's, it's okay, you lower waters, you, if anything, they're collecting together, right? They're coming to Makom Echad. There's almost a reunification. So day two, there's an aspect of Machlokas. Day three, there's an aspect of unification. And over there, you have two Kitovs. Okay, so that's a little bit of a foreshadowing. But it's an interesting, interesting way to see it. Yeah. Now, the Torah, uh, the Pasuk in Tehillim said, But where did David get that from? Because the Roka and the Rakia, that word, is not used on the third day about the land being over the waters. So you, can, you see, right? It's used about, like you said, it's used about the, the upper waters being, like the, the atmosphere rolling out, not about the earth rolling out. So... What David Amalek has done is, in essence, he's pulled together both of it into one statement. The, the creation that bridges from the second day to the third day, he encapsulates in one statement of Liroka Haaretz Alamai. Like, you start with the Roka, which was really an aspect of the beginning of it, and end up with Haaretz Alamai, that land is over water. It's a kind of interesting blended statement. I, I didn't see anywhere. Why exactly? I, I suspect it's because of this idea of seeing the, because he's saying kila olam chasto. It's a very glorious praise. That it's called Hallel Hagadol, right? The, the great Hallel. I, it could be that he's combining it together because it's one creation, and if you would just look at the first half of it, you don't see the tov. So in order to refer to that aspect of creation, he smooshes them together into their whole so that you look at the whole picture and you see that it's good. I think it's possible that that's what, what David Amalek is doing in that verse because otherwise that verse is really taking from two different parts and yet they're the same creation. It's two days, but it's one process. It's clearly one process. Okay. The Ramban says, now this is really helpful for having a kavan in the bracha, so... We're going to stop kind of around here-ish. The Ramban says, what is this dry land? What's the importance of revealing the dry land? 
the importance is that it is a place, it is <laughs> yabasha, dry land, what's the purpose of it? A place where man can recognize Hashem. In other words, an environment, a livable environment in which we recognize God. So that is the unifying theme, the way the Ramban brings it, that is the unifying theme of Hashem creating an atmosphere that divides upper waters and lower waters, that creates, you know, from, from the ground up that we have an environment like to breathe, to move, to function, to be able to see up towards the heavens, which will move us in a whole different direction, but let's say, right, which is, will remind us of God, okay? It's not that you look at the sky, we don't see God by looking at the sky, but we know from tzitzis that you look at the blue in the tzitzis and it reminds you of the blue of the sea, which reminds you of the blue of the sky, which reminds you of the blue at Kisei HaKavod. So there is an idea of sort of being able to function with our heads towards the sky. So that's the environment. And from the feet down, having a physical environment that is firm under our feet so that we can walk, so that we can progress, so that we can achieve and accomplish. So it's a theme of... Yabasha, this, this day of creation, this day and a half of creation, right, is the preparation of an environment in which man can recognize God, which is fulfilling our purpose in the world, right? That, I don't have to say that too many times at this stage, right? So we can stand on the land, we can see the sea, it can remind us of the heavens, remind us of God. It's an environment. The world was created as an environment for us to recognize God. When you get right down to it, that's what it's all about. Okay, now I'm going to end with one little introduction. That's, that's the teaser for next week, okay? Radak says, the nature of water is to spread and inundate. If you've ever had a pipe burst, you know. Right? Water spreads. It does not hold itself together. Water is when you talk about Homer and Sura, form versus matter, or matter and form. Right? Water is the ultimate example of pure matter with no form. It, the goal is not to hold itself together to make a useful shape. It just spreads out. That's the nature of water. The nature of earth is to sink underwater. Hashem restrained the water. That's the water should gather together. And he raises up the dry land. And he reinforces it against the inundation of the sea. That process creates, you know, we, I think we were thinking of it as an individual, creates the environment in which I as the individual live or me and my family live. But Rav Hirsch points out that process creates the history of the world on a societal level, on an international societal level. So the fact that there are mountains in one place and seas and water sources in another place and that the land is flatter over there and more rough over there, this all is... God's hand guiding the historical development of nations, right? I mean, it's sort of like my husband teaches history according to this approach. I don't know that he Dafka got it from Rav Hirsch, right? But you, if you don't understand geography and topography, you don't understand history. 
That's the truth. You don't understand. Why did they go this way? Why did they go that way? Why would you start a war? You know, they give some excuse. You know what the real reason is? They had no access to water. Or they didn't have access to rivers, so they couldn't transport the goods and the food, right? Like, these are the fundamental things people still go into war over it. Because that formation of dry land is one way in which God shapes and guides directly the history of mankind and the history of nations. But this process, the Redak said, is the nature of water is to spread and flood. And God restrains the waters and raises up the dry land. So that's the teaser for next week. <laughs> because this is where it starts to get. This is like our background information. Now we start to say, how does that apply to me? How is this something? OK, I, I have step one. Okay, from today on, when I say Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim, I will remember there's a, a solid ground under my feet, mostly, meaning I only notice it when it isn't. And it is an environment in which I'm able to, to rely on the environment so that I can serve Hashem. I don't wonder with every step I take where it's going. So I can rely on the environment, I can breathe, I can step in order to serve Hashem, and that it isn't flooding. This is. This is where we're going to start to be able to say, how does this speak to the inside of me, not just the outside of me, right? Because that's, it helps to take it there. It helps to take it there, right? Like with Zokiv Kifufim, right? It is about standing straight, but there's also an inside part of standing straight. So the same thing. With Rokarat Alamayim, I don't see how it's about me yet. Not in a selfish way. How do I, what do I do with it? I learned this thing. What's the point of learning it if I can't? change out of it, okay? I mean, I guess there's always a point to learning Torah, so I don't have to ask that question. But, but really, whenever we learn, there's, there's somewhere we're supposed to take it to heart. So we need a little more information for that, but all this, this is, this is the groundwork. This is the firm foundation upon which we can build, then, the learning to go forward. And it's, it's cool and awesome stuff. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for the call. I'll be able to drive home. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so happy. I really appreciate it. I felt like teacher's pet. Like, I thought, oh, oh, no, 